Well, Nick, we've got someone coming back tonight. We do. A good friend of the show. A very good friend of the show. But um, I don't really know what to say about what it is that we're going to drink. Because I've drunk it before. You have, and on... And I've... I've, yeah. I've, 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 I've we actually you mentioned about it, it, yeah, on, you it. On, on the last time that we had Mark in. <coughs> um, but... So this is Mark Robinson from Mr. and Mrs. Robinson, just to clarify. Yes, We're yes. having Mark in to talk about his 2012 Blanc de Blanc. A, a, those people that have read the title on the podcast that they're downloading will know that. Those that haven't won't, Nicholas. Bless them. There's if you've just wrong, joined us. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> That's what you said, I think. I know. The, the if first you've just episode, joined us. If you just joined us, you said, Everybody's just how? joined us. <laughs> hey, look, it might happened? be Series 3. But we're still newish to we this. We are. We're still rookies at this. And as no. you said in like the first podcast, my background is in live radio. <laughs> it really isn't. Um, anyway, back to the wine. Back to the wine. Look, we are having Miss, having Mark Robinson from Mr. and Mrs. Robinson back. Yeah, we are. And we are drinking the 2012 Blanc de Blanc. Mm. And the reason why we're both sounding a little bit dumbstruck is because this is like no other wine we've ever tried in our lives. Yeah. There's plenty of reasons for that that I'm sure that Mark will unpack for us. Mm -hmm. And so we're not going to go too, too much into that. What mm. I want to do with you is I want to get – because I, 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 I first introduced you to this wine because Mark had given it to me in a tasting. I was like, you got to try this. Yes. And then you had a – and I want to know what your first impression was. Because you, said, you had told me that – on the podcast you said, but that also – uh, away from the studio, you, you said that it blew your mind. Correct. Um, and I didn't know what that meant because you didn't really say why or give me any reasons for that. And there's a reason for that. I didn't want to speak uh, for it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You just let it do what it does and yeah. Yeah, I have my own opinion on it. Mm -hmm. I love it. I, it's very, um, it's incredibly dry. Mm -hmm. um, it's quite tart because there's zero dosage, which we yeah. clarified uh, with Mark last time, mm -hmm. there's is, is no extra sugar added when they're bottling the, yeah, the wine. Yeah, zero dosage, second ferment, yep. So that's the reason for that, you know, it's it's, mm. it's quite tart. Mm. It's The acidity is, is, is there, but it doesn't mm -hmm. impact mm -hmm. anything negatively. Mm -hmm. um, it's, um, I think it's probably a style of wine that some might not want to drink more than a couple of glasses of, but I will just admit that I drank the whole bottle of this when I opened it. Bravo. Because I thought it was just beautiful. And I know we've we've said that about his Mataro when he came mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. and he's going to get a very big head. But he deserves it. Yeah, yeah he does, because he's, he's actually really, really talented. He really is. And he's making some really unique He wine. clearly is very talented. Yeah. This is just, this is lovely, lovely yeah, wine. It really is. Look, I, I, I've described this to people as a game changer. Okay, um, I can see that. Because... As far as a sparkling goes, it's nothing that I've ever tried before. Mind you, in saying that, I'd never tried a zero dosage. I don't think I had. Before either. I don't think I had either. This is the first time I've ever tried it. Um, I want more of them. <laughs> if it's like this, but I wouldn't mind trying another one just as a point of reference. Yeah. Um, so whether or not this is an atypical or mm. a departure from the style, and that's something that I'll get Mark to unpack yeah, as well. Yeah, it'd it's be like, good if he could explain yeah. that. Because to me, this thing that we're drinking is so beautifully complex. Yeah. I Put it this way, I've done three dinners since 
my restaurant has reopened, reopened yeah. post um, post isolation, and I've led two of them with this, okay, as the arrival wine. Yeah. Um, reason being, I genuinely wanted to excite people, confound them, yeah. and introduce them to something genuine, genuinely unique mm-hmm. before they even. Ate got anything. any food in front yeah, of them. Yeah. yeah. I think that would have done that. And it would have it, it there would have been conversation. Yeah, it would have it would have been a catalyst for conversation yeah, because it's absolutely just, was. It's very, very different. Well, one of the dinners that I did, believe it or not, was actually a um Sala exhibition. Now for those outside of Adelaide, that's the South Australia Living Arts um uh festival that ran this year. It was a little bit different post COVID. There was curtailed. a lot of interactive exhibitions online and so on. We actually were lucky enough to be able to host a dinner with the beautiful Emma Hack, um, who's probably one of South Australia's highest profile artists of the modern time. Okay. Um, and uh, one of, we, we got to highlight and showcase three different exhibitions mm. of her or three different collections of hers over the space at the Treasury. Yeah. And I had to come up with a menu that was inspired by the work. The first work, the first series of works was an exhibition that she ran called Geometric, mm-hmm. where when you look at it, it's it's actually in the bar at the Treasury, and I urge anybody to go and have a look at it. You don't even have to buy a drink; just go in and have, a, go look. have a look. Um, the patination on this is so detailed. The work that she did with the with the models and then the backgrounds and the way that they married up, it's very linear, but it's very angular. And so okay. what I tried to do with what I was introducing to people when they first arrived and saw that exhibition was I wanted them to have that experience on their palette. Okay. And that's why I came across, or that's why I suggested the Blanc de Blanc, is because it starts so broad and finishes so narrow mm. that it actually draws a diagonal line across your palette from way out here to a little pinpoint at the back of your throat. And... That was something that I wanted to do with people's palates and evoke that emotion in them before I even presented them with a piece of food, that they were looking at a piece of art and drinking that and it was actually happening to them while they were looking at it. Wow. Well, there you go. I'm impressed. Well, thank you. That's that's inc- that's incredible. That's, I feel culturally um, smarter. Uh, th- this it, is it, something it, I thought about before that, I even wrote a recipe. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's lovely, the way you've thought about that. Thank you. I really, yeah, but, I really enjoy that. Th- but this wine was the perfect thing to put into that space because it does exa- it behaves exactly that way. Well, because that's what you say. It starts broad and then for you, yeah. it kind of disappears. It does. It's, it's like a it's Houdini like, on the back like of your a wisp. And yeah. it does that to me too, but I think to a slightly lesser extent. Yeah. Um, but you say it's kind of there and then it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I love the, the, the flavours. The flavours are there. The, the flavours are on your palate, but, but the, the, there is the, the, the only lingering taste you have is still on your front, top, and side palate. There is no lingering back palate to this wine. And that's because there's no sugar in it that gives you that coating down your esophagus. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just having another glass. Have a moment. Have several moments. Seriously. So anyway, let's be a bit more specific about what what it tastes like, what it looks like, um, what we can smell on it. So give it a little sniff because I'm – think about buttery, biscuity. Think about like a cheesecake base. To me, it tastes all – yeah, cheesecake yeah. base. Cheesecake, yeah, yeah, the biscuit base of a cheesecake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, I think that is, and it's it's buttery, it's biscuity, it's beautiful, it's citrusy, it's but like lemon pith. Do Do you remember? Do you remember what Chardonnays were like in the nineties? Um, were they really solidly oak driven? 
Yeah, and I, and, and I, I thought that was... I didn't enjoy it. No, no, no. And I say in the 90s, I wasn't really drinking good... But, I wasn't drinking good wine. But, if, but Chardonnay was massive in the UK, and a lot of it was Australian. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't very good. No. The, the, Not because the U- Australian Chardonnay wasn't good. The Australian then, Chardonnay in the UK is you, usually The stuff that was good. being shipped over to us... You, you've got Foster's on tap in the UK, it says it all. Uh, but, less, less than you'd think oh, now, I but know, it's still but there. still there. Still, and we still don't drink it. Nobody drinks it. No, 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 no. But what I'm, what I was alluding to was that that really over dominant flavour of the oak that you got in the Chardonnays is here, but only in about a five percentile. Like it's a, it's a lovely little lingering sort of back fragrance of, of the oak. Now you um, say it, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can smell that, and and that's just beautiful soft French oak that I can that I get on the nose, and I also get that on the palate. Um, mm. But there is plenty, and that's where that butteriness comes from—is that soft French oak? You know what I mean? You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Now I just had a little, another little sniff and a drink. Mm. Um, yeah, that that Chardonnay was very—I think kind of lazy winemaking. Let's just pile it. Let's just convenience winemaking. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Um, volume, high volume, wine. high volume, low, high volume, commercial. low amounts of love went into that. <sighs> anyway, an absence of love. Into into uh, talking about a wine that there's lots of love has gone into. Oh my god, this is well. Mr. and Mrs. Robinson is Mark's passion project. It's not actually his living. He's he is genuinely a winemaker. I won't mention who because we're not talking about them tonight. We're talking about him. Yep. No, we're talking yep, about yep. him. But this is genuinely it's not his side hustle, but it's his passion project. Mm-hmm. This is the wine he makes under his own steam, under his own brand, out yes. of his own pocket. Yes. That he just hopes that people will enjoy and love. And people and people, and people do, do because the, the man's a genius. <sighs> he's, um, he's very good at what he, he does. He is very, very clever. Now, as far as food goes... And we always end up there because we both love food. We do. And why wouldn't we do? And, and what's not to love? Mm. But as far as this goes, because it is such a deliberately complex draw, mm-hmm. where would you go? Well, I think like on the on the palate, it's quite like it's kind of like a tight apple, like a granny. There's Granny Smith there. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of brioche going on, mm-hmm. which is kind of the buttery mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. side of yep. things. But also, I think there's a little hint of like unripe strawberry. No, it mm. took me a little while. Green strawberry and buttermilk. And buttermilk, okay. Yep. I, I, it took me a while to figure out what it was. Yep. It took me like half an hour to figure out what it was, mm-hmm. which is why I drank the whole bottle. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely the hint of unripe strawberry. And I think, uh, we were talking to a colleague of yours the other night, and she just said strawberries. Yep. And strawberry, yes, strawberries, strawberries. strawberries. Yep. strawberries. I mean, yep. I know the strawberry and champagne thing, or strawberry and sparkling, mm-hmm. is an age-old pairing but and, and but the with thing this is, oh just it would be stunning i'm, I'm actually going to put a delineation in there though okay and go hydroponic strawberries no field grown strawberries yes okay because the field grown strawberries taste like strawberries, strawberries you yeah. open the punnet and it punches you in the nose i know what you mean by that and and, and this is what i'm talking about hydroponic strawberries they're big they're bold they're, they're they look great they taste like fresh air. Well, it's like co- the quantity quality argument we were just having about yeah. the, the the Chardonnay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, not an argument discussion. Yeah. But yeah, it's the same thing. It, absolutely, absolutely, you're right. But field grown strawberries. A strawberry that tastes like a strawberry would go really, really well. Like with this. an actual strawberry would <laughs> yeah. go beautifully. Yes. But I, I also think this would go really well with with cheese, and I think it could actually kind of go the kind of the gamut. The whole. Look, I, I, I think I, some cheese, yes, some cheese, no. I well, think, I think like something like brie or. Comte or something like that. I was going to say Comte or Gruyere. Gruyere, um, I would or, say definitely. Or, or even Jarlsberg. But I wouldn't. Possibly. I, I wouldn't go Jarlsberg, into. I'm not a big fan of Jarlsberg. It doesn't have a lot of flavour to it. But Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, okay. Oh, All right. But I think this would work oh, even well with something like halloumi. Raclette. Or, yes. 
Okay. Uh, but it's, it's, we're kind of going across. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say blue. But oh no! I, I'd say like a hard cheese or something like brie or comté, as we were saying, or even like manchego or something. Do you know, this actually takes me to. It takes me to a Bavarian palate. Okay. Sausages. Yeah, believe it or not, yeah, um, a, a, a good Vienna with a garlic pretzel and some sauerkraut. Absolutely, bit of mustard. Oh, mate. Yeah, yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah, bit of mustard with this. As usual, I just look off into the distance, yeah, imagining yeah. And, that. and imagining her, but like a little bit of, you know, oh, yeah, the cardamom, sour, but the cardamom sauerkraut and garlic actually would work. Would be the thing that holds it all together. Yeah, bit of ferment. Mm. And I really think I yummy. I, I also think kimchi would stack up well with this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, there's that, a little bit, of, little bit of heat in there too. A little bit of heat, a little bit of funk. This could definitely deal with yeah. Yeah, heat and funk. 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 Funky heat. heat. That's it. Funky heat. <laughs> nice. Well, look. On that note, should we get Mark in? Yes. And get him to actually explain himself again. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to leave with that's the last thing I said. The first thing I said to him last time was explain Mark explain yourself. yourself. But again. It's, it's it's what I feel like we've got to do. Was this uh, so? He disgorges all of this himself by hand. It was only disgorged five days ago. Did you know that? Mm. Five days ago. Yeah. Like, was that done specially for us? Or chances are. Oh, cool. We've we've we've. Sorry, I just it, that's yeah, because really, it's on the bottle. You see it's the on the bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the date that it was kind of it put was in the bottle. Put yeah. in the bottle, and that is. It's like there's a personal kind of touch to it. It really is. It's nice. But what I love is the fact that it's still sitting there aging and it's just getting, it's just changing. And if we worked out where he lived, we'd be able to. <laughs> worked out where there'd take, be none of it take, left. Take buckets. <laughs> there'd be none left. <laughs> no, I'm. Um, see, after we did after we uh, did the podcast with his Mataro, I bought a bottle of Mataro off him and I've still got it. And it's yeah. going to sit there for a bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because it's well, amazing I mean, drinking now, but I, I'm just going to leave it for a bit. And it was such a limited release as well. There was only it a really pallet was. and a half of it. I'm just going to, yeah, pallet and a half. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it. This, I'm, I'm going to buy a couple of bottles. Yeah, I, fair I play. have to. Fair play. Because it's getting, it's getting warmer now. I don't, I don't blame and, you. And, you know. Yeah, I don't blame you at yeah, all. Definitely. Anyway, should we get him in? Let's do it. Okay, cool. Welcome back, folks. We are here with Mark Robinson from Mr. and Mrs. Robinson. And Howdy. Nick, we are, oh my God, it's the 2012 Blanc de Blanc. I reckon all we're going to do, I, I swore I wouldn't do this. Yeah, okay. But I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Because I know that Mark. Within the first go, 30 seconds of the. I, okay. I, I'm going to abandon go. everything that I said. Yes. And completely ignore every agreement that we ever had. Right. And because I know that Mark's got a story to tell. So all I'm going to say to you, Mr. Robinson, is explain yourself. It, there's a bit of explaining to do here. Okay. So back when I was just studying winemaking, I was reading, I was kind of obsessed with, with champagne and sparkling wine. Mm. And I, I read a book on, on champagne and there were a bunch of growers that were sort of known as road grower, rogue growers in champagne and they were going back to their roots and um, making... Uh, cuvées, uh, fermenting them in oak and making them in different styles. And this is this was completely illegal for the AOC uh, Appellation Control uh, of France. And so they were doing things that they weren't really legally were supposed to do and call it champagne. Right. But they so were, were they being like champagne disruptors. They were. They were. Awesome. They were doing something different. So they were making non-champagne in champagne. Yes, but calling it champagne. How dare they? Yeah. <laughs> 
bastards. The, 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 the French take this kind of thing they very seriously. They genuinely take it very seriously. Yeah. But, very you seriously. Know, when, you're, when you're doing something for over six, seven hundred, eight hundred years, you kind of want to do it Get different every now and again. <laughs> yeah. Every now and you want to shake the cage, don't yeah, you? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and this really excited me. So I thought, well, you know, what a great experiment to take some some Chardonnay from the Adelaide Hills and ferment it in oak and try lee stirring and all whole bunch of different things. And when you're a student, you love playing around with this mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, after a few attempts, I um, I decided that these were these were bloody outstanding and I needed yeah. to bottle them. So yeah. I so I started doing it all myself because it's quite small production, fifteen hundred liters. Yep. And I would just bottle it myself mm-hmm. at home, tirage it up, stick it in bottle, and then wait. Yep. And then see what it looks like in one year, two years, three years. And, yeah, well, we're coming up on eight years, eight years. now yeah. is what this is. <laughs> and it's just made an extraordinarily unusual wine, which I'm so proud of. Yeah, you should be. And it's just um, it's something that... Uh, you know, people were amazed at, and they 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 say, "How did you make this?" And I go through the explanation of handpicking, whole bunch pressing, fermented in oak, stored in old oak barrels, mm. and then uh, terraged up, which means you add your sugar and your yeast, get it fermenting again, put it in bottle, and then when I disgorge it, I don't add any dosage liqueur. So that the sweetness uh, that you would usually use to balance the um, the sort of tartness of the of uh, the bubbles is not there, and it really needs that because when you've got this aged Chardonnay uh, that has quite broad and very sort of masculine characters, mm-hmm. if you put sugar in it, it doesn't really tighten it up and give it give it some structure. And when you when you manage to like um, have a style like this that's got this much character to it, adding sugar to it doesn't help. Okay. And so that's why it it's come out as as it is. And when the back palate on it, it's just so tight and yeah, and, and, and um, dry and and yeah, yummy. Yeah. Moorish. Yummy yeah. is the word yeah. that we were kind of going for. D- delicious. Yeah, delicious. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. But so this is the Blanc de Blanc 2012. Mm. This is eight years old. Yeah. How has the wine changed over the course of time? I'm assuming that you've been kind of tasting it, partaking yeah, as you yes, were yeah, all yeah. the time. Let's over see how course, it looks now. <laughs> yes, every weekend. But uh, how has it changed over the course of those years? Well, Chardonnay um, starts out being quite um, crisp, and uh, the the, the flavours are sort of white peach and sort of floral, and then they sort of uh, move into sort of yellow peach flavors and then as it keeps going you start to get almond and you start to get nuttiness Mm -hmm. and then you start to get sort of um uh other uh flavors which winemakers will call sort of rancio which is sort of tipping tipping into that sort of like um uh like sherry and um uh uh, amontillado and all those sort of oloroso type sherry flavors but not that not as far into that domain but it just has all those sorts of like mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. characters to it. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the thing I noticed about this, and I was talking to Nick about it in the introduction as well, was I, I, I could taste the the, the the deliciousness of the the beauty of French oak mm-hmm. in in mm-hmm. obviously in the in the first barrel ferment, but um, to me, what it tasted like was and the Chardonnay 
back in the 90s when it was really, really buttery, really buttery yeah, and yeah. oak-driven yeah, yeah. and yes. those sorts of things. Yes. And, and, and it has notes of that, but they're it, really yes. subtle and they're really soft and kind of in the background, like mm. al- almost like somebody saying in the background, hey, remember me? Remember me? Remember I, remember I used to be here? <laughs> remember that guilty pleasure? That, 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 that <laughs> thing that you used to love but then everybody told you was not okay? <laughs> That's yeah. I, I get that yes. on 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 the lingering aftertaste. Yes, of this. yes, yes. But in a pleasant way, rather it, it, than it, it being the, overpowering yeah, like it, it used to be. Back in the nineties, when like Broken Wood Cricket Pitch was doing obscene Splinters. things, yes. like almost putting wood chips into the wine, and you could actually taste that it. it tasted more like a cricket bat than it did actually any wine. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> Yeah, oh, God. Yeah. It was awful. Broken Wood Cricket Pitch. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, 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 and for those at the Broken Wood Winery, I'm sure that you've moved on from there and that you make a lovely they have, drop. They do make a lovely Chardonnay yeah, yeah. now. Now, but and in 1997. Uh, Palettes change over the course well, of time. That, right? it, it, it was and fashion. Trends it was. And, yeah. It really was. Fashion was wood. Fashion, yeah, it was. And you're absolutely <laughs> right. The, 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 the fashion at the time was wood. Um, Doyle's was the mm. number one restaurant in, in the country, which was a seafood restaurant. That yeah. lent itself to wooded Chardonnays yeah, on, yeah, yeah. at Watson's Bay, and the next thing you know, everybody was drinking. It, it was just, but it's not. It wasn't garbage. It wasn't just here. <laughs> I, I think I said earlier on it was in the UK as well, and a lot. Yeah. Of oh it, yeah, a lot of it was. And some of it was French. Mm. A lot of it was Australian. Yes, and yep. it wasn't the good Australian stuff. No, but are you no. saying even even the even the stuff the Australian stuff, stuff that we stayed here, sold everyone was drinking it. Yeah. So it was yeah. a, it was almost like a global thing. Yeah, it, it was. It was. It, it was a fashion. Yeah, it was yeah. absolutely a fashion. And in a phase that the entire winemaking industry went through. Yeah. You can taste that a little bit yeah. in here. On the back palate, you do get that. And, that and, and Nick and I were talking yeah. about hearkening before. Hearkening. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it kind of hearkens back mm. to that. But it, but it's not there in the in – the, it's not – the lead singer anymore? No, it's, it's, it's kind of like the rhythm pleasant. guitarist yes. in the yeah. background, background just going, saying, "Hey, Hi. here I am. Hi, yeah. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pleasant. It's the pat smear <laughs> of, of of the flavour. I wish I knew what that meant. Well, he's the rhythm guitarist for the Foo Fighters and has been since they first started. Stop making me sound uncool. He like was he, he was the fourth <laughs> he was the fourth member of Nirvana. Was he? Yeah. There you go. He's the one that's always been too cool to do interviews and refuses to do them. Fine. Yeah. But fair yeah. enough too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. He 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 is very very much a very very big part of that mm. sound and now sits in the background of the sound that it is. Um, but yeah, it's so much so with the Blanc de Blanc that you can actually taste that wood. That's a teaspoon in the top of the bottle. That's by a the way, teaspoon folks. in the top of the thing to keep the bubbles in. Keep the bubbles in. Now, does anybody in this room know the science behind that? I and don't. I've tested it. I've put. Does it work? Is it real? I I can't understand if it works. I can't understand how it does unless nobody knows how it the works. The teaspoon. I've heard of. The only way I can think of it is if the bottle's sitting in the fridge. Maybe the teaspoon stays colder and drops cold air into, into the bottle and keeps the surface carbonation. colder. So therefore, the CO two might stay in there more. But you otherwise, I cannot understand. Why I reckon we need to call Doctor Carl. Yes, I reckon it's no. Nobody understands it. No, not even not even trained scientists. No, no I reckon Doctor Carl is wrong. our guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should do it. We, we should, should do, it. do it. I reckon. I reckon as a podcast, we should call Carl Krusenutsky and get him in here and go. Why is it when you put a teaspoon in a bottle of sparkling, it stays fizzy? I think we need to get a bunch of scientists on it. Yep, we need get the boffins out the back in the lab. We need more sparkling. 
more sparkling. More oh muffins, yeah, definitely more sparkling. More fruit. I'm with you on that one. Mm-hmm. And also some teaspoons. Definitely, <laughs> they seem to work. All right, I know a guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna harken back to because we like harkening back on this we podcast, We're well, at least the, specifically this episode. Yes. Um, so when we had you in last time, we talked about your yes. 2018 Mataro. Yes. And we waxed lyrical and went a bit insane over that wine because it was wonderful. Um, you said, and you were being modest, I think. Maybe not. Uh, but you said that you got lucky. With that parcel of fruit, you got lucky. I but then I kind of said, well, yeah, okay. You got lucky with that parcel of fruit. Mm. You, you still could have messed it up. And That's you did. You made an, an astounding, spectacular, astounding wine from from that. Mm-hmm. So with this fruit here, do you think the same kind of thing happens? You, you happened upon some really good fruit, or is it about actually the winemaking process? Because I suspect it's the latter. Well, uh, when you talk about wines that have been in bottle and made in a particular way, uh, really, yeah, you are t- talking about more influence fr- from the winemaker. Now, I've also got. Surprised to say uh, the 2011 in bottle, the 2010, and the 2009 still in bottle, non-released. So they're little gems that are sitting waiting for how much future future <laughs> future, future release. release future podcasts excellent <laughs> well, yeah. that's there what you go. were going to say right okay but and they uh, I I taste through them regularly and they're all looking looking very nice and tracking along very nicely so um, they all taste of that vineyard and this okay. this fruit it comes from Kaipo yeah uh, comes from the Tregarthen vineyard and it is really spectacular Chardonnay that it really lends itself well to uh, sparkling. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> you can say that for a start. I, I have a question around Kaipo. Yes. Because Kaipo is one of those regions, for those, for those of you that aren't in South Australia listening to this, Kaipo Forest is a lovely little pocket of forest and it's in between Meadows, which is probably the southeastern extreme of the Adelaide Hills, mm-hmm. and yep. Willunga. Um, and I know that because I've ridden my bicycle between the two for the tour down under, and it's a really long way and a really bad road. Um, <laughs> but in amongst that, Kaipo itself has its own little microclimate. Yeah. Is it, True. in and of itself, its own sub-region, or is it part of the Adelaide Hills, or is it part of McLaren Vale? Because it really is on the Venn diagram of both yeah, borders. Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, it's, it, the elevation is that of the Adelaide Hills. Yeah. Um, I know a number of years ago it was actually included in the ge- the GI for the winemakers out there yeah. uh, of McLaren Vale. Yeah, mm, okay. And it used to be called McLaren Vale. But, so it was uh, GI in, of McLaren Vale and it's now it GI was of Adelaide Hills? of Adelaide Hills, yes. Okay, so when did that change? I, I don't know. I was talking to a winemaker and he said uh, um, he thought it was still, yeah. uh, but he'd been be- out of the game for a little while. And I said, no, no, it's now now Adelaide Hills. And he said, who dis- oh. Who decides that? I don't know. I was going to say it. Well, how, the boffins. What, what's the, ba- <laughs> the boffins <laughs> out the back in the lab? Yeah, the yeah. Boffins. Well, yeah. The boffins at the CSIRO have so decided campaigns and that says- there's a line of latitude and longitude. Mm. And this is the thing. Like, yes, there is absolutely the elevation of the Adelaide Hills there because yep. there's some steep hills. Um, but at the same time, you've got all of the climatic conditions that are coming straight off the coast. Yeah, because it's 10 minutes from McLaren it, It's 10 that, minutes from McLaren So you to, are getting- That would probably be the, re- the reason for, for kind of re- 
Well, that's it. Well, you would think of that, but I think the elevation and the temperature there is is significantly different. Yeah, the picking times are more in line with Adelaide hills. hills. Oh, okay. So does that make them a bit later than McLaren? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. About three or four weeks later? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that makes more sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things I've noticed in. Um, I mean, I've been putting wine lists together um, post isolation. Yes. And um, the wine lists we've been putting together, the amount of Kaipo wine that ah, we're tasting yes. now, that is, they're, they're saying it's Adelaide Hills wine. It's like, oh, where did you get your grapes? And they're like, Kaipo. Yes. Well, I, I consider Kaipo its own region yeah. because it has the climactic conditions mm. of McLaren Vale and the soil conditions of the Adelaide Hills and the altitude of the Adelaide Hills. Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of it, unique in it that way. Really, yeah. It really is. And as a result, I mean, there's some amazing Rossos and so on that mm. are coming out of there. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, the Chardonnay, obviously, mm. that's coming out of there is spectacular. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree. I just wanted to ask you about, a little bit about the winery itself. How has 2020 been treating you? Because it's been a weird old year. 2020 is unusual because... Um, uh, well, besides all the uh, all the COVID effects COVID and ev- everything else, all the other crazy things that have been going on, um, the last two years, so nineteen and twenty, have been down in volume like yeah. a lot. Okay. So uh, some places fifty percent or more. So uh, yeah. Wow. So people can expect that prices you won't get any decent uh, uh, cheap prices in nineteen or twenty. Um, you'll only get sort of your regular regular prices. There mm-hmm. will be no discounting. In no. 19 and 20. So, so and, you'll and have to pay same. a little bit more for the There'll good be a stuff. little bit more, yeah. yeah. Are, we, are we finding uh, well. that going forward that that's actually a climactic trend, <laughs> that we're seeing lower yields in more of the traditional varietals and we're actually starting to look at future-proofing varietals that will actually withstand higher climates and more dry summers? And Yeah, I think things are, things are sort of heading that, that way. Yeah. Um, also, people are trying to work towards uh, future-proofing their vineyards by either um, gaining access to water, um, by either building dams uh, or, or or otherwise, but mm-hmm. uh, water has become a big a big factor. But also, yep. yeah, di- different varieties that are able to withstand withstand the temperatures, uh, the, and the, the, the temperatures and climatic differences, and, and uh, less water yep. mm. uh, certainly um, on the cards for people to start thinking about. Yeah. yeah, that might make things a little bit. I mean, that might lead people to be drinking wines they wouldn't normally or varieties of wine yeah. that they haven't had before. And, and, and that's great. And as, way, as a winemaker, we love thing, right? winemakers love making different wine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They love like uh, being able to draw upon different f- flavors and going out and tasting d- different things. So it's um, a challenge, right? If you haven't done it yes, before. Absolutely. If you haven't done it before, you you, you got to click your brain in gear and start <laughs> yeah. start actually thinking about it. So you get a bit you can get a bit it's you, good. Know, you, you know well, making yeah. the same wine again and again. You, you can do. I mean it, it's always fun because it's always a challenge. But, um, yeah, different varieties make it fun. It's like playing with a new toy. Now, Mark, yes. b- before we dive into the quick round, um, yes. one of the things that Nick and I always pontificate on when we don't have the winemaker in the studio with us is what we would eat with the wine that we're drinking. Oh, yes. yes. Now, this, like... You know that very I've, unique, I've, I've, I've led several mm. of my degustations with this wine in particular for mm. the intention behind it. Mm. But I'm fascinated to know what you would serve with it. I particularly love with it cured meats, mm. strong cheeses, mm-hmm. uh, like a platter full of amazing food. Uh, so just a, pate, sh- just a giant charcuterie plate. Absolutely. 
Pate, enormous. Tarine, yep. hamon, prosciutto, yep. salami. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. Cheeses, <laughs> bit of butter. Yeah. I, was, yeah, going, yeah, I yeah. was going off on one yeah. about cheeses. Yeah. I reckon this wine would do well with lots of different styles of cheese. Yes. Even something you go along the kind of halloumi route, even. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, yes. Just bang on. Yep. Mm-hmm. I also said sport. cream, cream pastas with yes, with, yummy with seafood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carbonara, Carbonara. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Even, even a, a chili crab pasta. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely spectacular. Yep. Yeah, I think it's very. It's it's a, it's a super for, for something that is so unique in its structure and its profile. It's actually genuinely super versatile really when it comes versatile. to what you'd serve with it. Yeah, really yeah, versatile. Different foods. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. as as far, as a chef goes, I there isn't, I, there isn't anything that I've considered with this that once I've put it together hasn't worked. Oh, terrific. That's that yeah. sounds like uh, you're uh, boosting yourself up rather than the wine. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's I've done really well pairing this with, but I know what you mean. I yeah. know what you're actually going for. It goes yeah. well. It goes well with a lot of things, things, I can it, imagine. It really it, does. It, would, it really it, does. It's, it's a, very versatile, as you were saying. Yeah. Definitely. And one of the things I found that it goes beautifully with, believe it or not, is actually tuna sashimi. Just straight oh. up bluefin tuna on its yeah. own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, I, and I've done it again, haven't I, Nick? <laughs> you know what you are? You're a git. Because <laughs> yes, you have done it again. You said you yeah, tuna sashimi it would be so Because mm. you need that just that little bit of oil. I think that'd be a rubbish a match. <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry. Sorry, I forgot the wasabi flying fish row with it. Whatever. There you go. Whatever. 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 <laughs> now, Mark. Uh, last time you were here, we hadn't actually developed this format. No, happened. you were, yes. Yeah, you, were the, you, were, you were a Series 2 virgin. No, no, Episode episode 6 of episode Series, six of series one. 1. You were, ser- you were Series 1 so and now we, yes, we are so Series new, 3. Now, you, haven't series had, you haven't done this before. Two, in Series 2, we decided oh. we'd actually try and make ourselves a little bit more oh, structured. Um, and we worked out a way to wind up an interview. Um, and that is to actually ask a series of quick fire questions um, rather than just going, oh, well, thank you so much for your time. Which um, we'll do after which this. Which we'll do after <laughs> this. Um, we do yeah. want to actually talk. And these are absolutely the Gestalt theory style of the right. first thing that comes in yep. your head. Yeah, no real uh, thinking. No it's real just thinking. like okay. automatic. Bam, bam, bam. Absolutely. Bam, yep. bam. Genuine instinct. Um, I'm sure you know what we're talking you about. Can, you, can, you can close your eyes if you want. Um, it doesn't actually matter but um, we have 10 questions for you yep you can spend as little or as long a time on each question as you like Um, are you ready yes deep breath breathe in (laughs) do you need a drink do you need a moment oh hang on let me just say there's no drink have a a little sip of that blanc de blanc just Mm. to steal yourself (sighs) okay okay red or white white McLaren Vale Barossa or Adelaide Hills Adelaide Hills Dessert wine or dessert? Dessert wine. Corks or caps? Caps. Aperitif or digestive? Oh, aperitif. Mm. Oh, fancy. Mm. Fancy. <laughs> favourite varietal? Favourite varietal? Chardonnay. Least favourite varietal? Oh, that's a hard one. I haven't tasted a decent Pinot Blanc. Pinot Blanc. Ooh. I need to taste one. We've not had that one before. Ooh, okay. Point one out for me, please. We'll, we'll try. <laughs> one thing you love about your job? Ah, the perfect meld between art and science. Nice. That's really nice. Nice. It is, it is really perfect like, That's a great thing. answer. One thing you would change about the wine industry? 
Uh, then, yeah, there needs to be, um, I guess, more um, diverse acceptance of diversity of styles in uh, the media and in bottle shops. Yep. Is that an Australian thing or a South Australian thing or...? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a South Australian thing. I'd say it's just uh, it could be Probably maybe could. it is. I don't know. Do you think it's a market-driven thing where they're only going with the numbers and ignoring the anecdotal information? Possibly. Some yeah. of it's yeah. going to be that because the, the numbers the... are definitely skewed one way. Yeah, yeah. but well, uh, that's what the the big chains tell us mm, is mm-hmm. that that's where the numbers mm-hmm. are because yeah, that's what they sell. Yes, um, but yeah. we all know that there's like half a shelf. That is actually representative of about three hundred different, different things yes. yeah. that all deserve their own row. And there's yes. only, there's only yeah. ten wines. Absolutely, <laughs> there's only yeah. ten wines, and, and and three of them are shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question ten: The bucket list wine journey. Where oh. would you go, and what would you do if dollars and time were and COVID? Was, no was not object. an issue, yeah. Oh, COVID. That, that, that's an, that is a very interesting question because, you know, I love um, travelling through France, Italy and Spain yep. for those um, incredible wine regions and food. Mm. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I've got to admit, the culture in Spain in and eating tapas and having uh, sherries and um, beautiful ports and, oh, my God, they just... I'd have to go and have a go over there. Yep. Really. Doing and a vintage in Spain, do you reckon? In Spain or Portugal or yep. both or, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. absolutely. Nice. Well, both because this is, you know, there's no limits. There's no so. limits. There's, there's no, no limits. Thing, there's no rules both. in this question. Both. So both. Yes. Damn you. Both. Why not? Why not? Yes. Bravo. Good answer. Bravo. Well, Mark, look, again, thank you so much for your time. No, no. We, <laughs> pleasure. We, we, we genuinely do appreciate your time oh, and your efforts. And, and, and your wine. You. And your wine. Oh, my it's God, so your good. wine is spectacular. We re, you, you're, you're a great friend of the show. And the fact that we've come back to do the 2012 Blanc de Blanc, which was, the believe it or not, when we first met, it was the first wine you ever gave me to try. It, it was, yes. And the look <laughs> on my face is exactly the look I saw on his face and Captain Tim in the studio's face and, and every other face yeah. that I've I ever it yeah. given it to. Um, I actually did a degustation on the weekend and served this as my um, as my appetizer. Wow! And served it against a um, a seared tuna tatake, oh, and it was yeah. spectacular. Smoked eggplant miso. Tuna, oh, miso, yes, um, and and this beautiful, and it, it it was the first course, and already everybody was on the floor. Um, I, in a good was, way, right? They didn't have food poisoning. It was one of those ones where it, it was kind of like if your first album was the Joshua Tree. It was like, how the hell do I top that? Yeah, it's the second yeah, time yeah. you've done a U two thing on here. Yeah, I know. Doesn't right? doesn't work with me, I'm afraid. Um, well, bad luck. Okay, <laughs> it, it works with everybody that grew up in the eighties in Australia. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair yeah. But look, Mark, thank you so much for your time. It's pleasure. been an absolute pleasure having you back. It's been great And you, I know that you haven't just made Mataro and Blanc de Blanc, so I'm pretty sure we're going to have you back again at some stage or another. Um, I really hope and so. that would be great. We're, we're not going to run out thank of series. We've, we've got plenty of time. So Terrific. Thanks very much. Thank you. It's once been again. lovely having you here again, man. Pleasure. It's been really so pleasure, good. Pleasure, Nick. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Mark. Who Nick My Wine has been brought to you by N Plus One and Associates, the Yes Chef Network and Podcast Central with theme music by Hannah Fairlam 
and Death Metal Tambourine by Brendan Sloan. Special thanks must go to the Doctor of Dials, the Master of Bass, the Fifth Beatle himself. We'd call him Nick if he'd let us. That's Tim Allen on the desk for Podcast Central. I have to put out a great big, huge vote of thanks to Mark Robinson from Mr. and Mrs. Robinson for that 2012 Blanc de Blanc. Um, I strenuously urge anyone that has the opportunity to get their hands on some of that it's not going to last very long and oh my god it's one of the best things i've ever ever drunk in my life um mark is a very gifted individual but um we've already waxed lyrical about that for the last 25 30 minutes so Mm -hmm. nick do you want to tell everybody what they can do socially to actually help us get more listeners? But yes, I mean, you could. You could vote for us on Google or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Just You don't have to write a review or anything. You just give us a star rating, yep. and that will really, really help us. The way that these social media things work, I'm slightly old. I don't quite understand it. But, it, you know, if we get lots of votes... Uh, it's not just based on listenership. It's about you know the number of people that vote for us, and the, obviously the, the the votes that we get, and the, whether people vote for us kindly or otherwise. Not, not that I'm sure that I actually know what the word means, but I think the word is traction. Traction, you traction. say. Traction. 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 I don't know what it actually means. It's a good word to say. It, but, it, it but, feels nice, right? I know, I, and I think if I'm in, around a table of marketing gurus and I say that word, it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. Okay, if you would like to give us some. Traction. Uh, please vote for us on uh, Google and Apple Podcasts or wherever the heck you get your podcasts. I don't know where that is. I'm sorry. Uh, if you like really, really nice pictures of food and wine, uh, then follow us on Instagram where you can see pictures of me. I, I Not necessarily me, but just but, of glasses of wine that I'm taking <laughs> in a wine bar on my own. You do? It's, I mean, there's lots of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I like a glass of wine after work. You do. You do. And, and I'm, usually, are, I'm usually at work. While you're, you're usually at work and, you know, friends aren't always available. So it might just be a photo of a glass of wine. But Indeed. it doesn't matter. It's not, it's artistically taken. Indeed. It's the most important thing. It is tastefully it's, done. Indeed. Indeed. It's evocative. No, you're being silly now. No, that's no, um, true. Okay. So, uh, so yes, we're on Instagram. Our handle is Who Nick My Wine. And we're on Facebook. Who Nick My Wine. Strangely enough. Strangely enough. Mm-hmm. Indeed. We've got 400, 500 followers on each now. You see, look, we should be thrilled with that. I genuinely am consider- for a small podcast like well, us. Considering that a year ago this was just a good idea, indeed. We've and we've got a thousand people, or yeah. maybe four hundred of the same and a hundred extra. Who Possibly knows? It doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't really matter. No, we're no, we're, we, we love every now. single one of you. We really do. We do. We appreciate all of you. Oh, we appreciate definitely appreciate. Yeah, all of you. we really do. So, look, as far as building a mutual appreciation society goes nick and i would love to sign off for this episode um tim would love to say thank you very much from the booth and i'm going to say not only wash your hands indicate before you change lanes but please don't bully people online it just makes you a very very small person good night (laughs) 